The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Good morning and a very warm welcome along to Miami Beach here in Florida. I'm standing in Loomis Park. The sun came up about 10 minutes ago. As I said, they've been queuing for a long time. We're actually between 10th and 11th Street here in Ocean Drive, and the queue goes back to 14th Street. So this is a popular venue right now, no matter the fact that it's 7 o'clock Eastern in the morning. Now, Anthony on camera is going to show you around a little bit. There are three sections to our party. Behind these fans, you can get your jerseys, you can play Nike Quick Feet, you can get your food, you can get your drinks. Now, we're here on NBCSN and on NBC, of course, all weekend. But our Spanish language partners at Telemundo are also here with us, and they're broadcasting from this very set. And look who is on there, the legendary commentator Andres Cantor, who's, by the way, going to be commentating live on the Arsenal-Man City game from on that set tomorrow. So you can see the great man in action. Now, Anthony, if you just turn around and have a little look behind you and see what else in the park is going on for the fans who, as I say, the doors have only just opened, but they're already in in their hundreds. Uh, merchandise, we've got EA Sports. You can play FIFA 20, the Men in Blazers activation, the On Her Turf activation, and our set as well for NBCSN. But I'm going to leave Lummers Park because we've got three areas for this party today. I'm going to take you out to Ocean Drive, one of the most popular and busy roads here in Miami Beach, a road that's normally full. I'm going to lead you down there, Anthony. It's normally full of Ferraris and Lamborghinis, but today we've shut the road off to allow the fans in here so they can watch all the football. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all. And, of course, they're representing every single Premier League club as well. And look who I find surveying the scene at the top of the lifeguard tower, Mr. Robiel. Lady Lowe, I kind of feel like I'm on your throne for the day. And I just wanted to get an elevated position of what we might get over the next couple of days. Now, you said a couple of months ago we were in Austin, Texas, and everything's supposed to be bigger in Texas. But I'm seeing sand, sea, beach, food, fans, football. Ulsterbex is like in Miami. This is definitely the Robbie Earl vibe, let me tell you that. More from Robbie Earl a little bit later on as we take you up onto the curb here of the, of the road of Ocean Drive and take you up the road because we're going to go and find Robbie Musto. And, of course, you know this by now. These fan fests that we take on the road are all about you. They're all about you, the American Premier League fan. You turn out in your thousands, but we also know you get up super early across the United States to watch what we think and we know is the best football league in the world. So we want to thank you for that. More watch parties happening across the United States as well today, which I'll tell you about in just a moment. But I'm going to go into the Cleveland Hotel and speak to 
Mr. Robbie Musto, as people are already getting their drinks and their breakfast. How are you doing, Rob? Brilliant, thank you very much. Listen, we, when we come to these different fan fests, we love to immerse ourselves in where we're at. So Miami and Miami Beach, we've been doing a ton of things. Jimmy Butler, the NBA star with Miami Heat, we interviewed. We've been to Little, Little Havana for a food tour, learned a little bit of salsa, Rebecca, which I... That was a lot of fun as well. And maybe the best bit was with Kai Martina, my friend, we took a drive in a vintage convertible down this ocean drive. Absolutely fantastic. I'm under the palm trees. I've got the bar. The pool's just over there. Plenty of Premier League action to come. Does it get much better than this? It doesn't, except the audience will see your hips, that they do not lie, a little bit later on when we get that salsa dancing on the telly. Right, follow me. We're going back. More from Robbie a little bit later on. We're going into the Cleveland Hotel. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all. Now, at the top, on the sun deck, at the top of the Clevelander, we find Kyle Martino. Hello, Bex. I think I have the best vantage point for what was a beautiful Miami Beach sunrise that just happened over there. Everything's amazing so far, and each fan fest has its own identity. I mean, yesterday, riding down Ocean Drive with Robbie Musto in a 1959 Ford Etzel was scary but incredible. This amazing Art Deco building at the iconic Clevelander is showing me this fan fest is going to have some special surprises. We saw the mechanical bull that the two Robbies rode in Austin. Will we see the two Robbies ride an inflatable peacock. <laughs> I think without a shadow of a doubt, we would be remiss if we got through the weekend and the two Robbies were not on an inflatable peacock. As Kyle said, we've got so much coming your way. It is, of course, about the surprises. It's about the fans, but it's also about the football. And by the way, I've already spoken to people who've flown in from New York, from Maryland, from Colorado, from San Francisco. This is where it's at. Welcome to day one of Premier League Mornings Live on location. Welcome to Miami. From Harry the Hornet on the beach doing his best Baywatch impression to another Hornet. Here is Jay Demerit, former US Men's National Team player as well. Jay, you left the United States in 2003, went to the UK. Take a look at this. How different is this country with soccer now than when you left it? Oh man, obviously you can tell the huge difference. Um, I don't remember, I don't know if I've ever seen thousands of people in the streets at 7 in the morning to watch football. So... You know, in a way, that's, it's incredible, but in a way, it's, uh, it's nice to see where it is because it's really where it should be. This is a place that uh, really does appreciate the game, and uh, I think the more and more people educate themselves, the more and more fanatical it becomes, and that's what, that's what English football is all about. You found five Watford fans out there in amongst this atmosphere. What's the atmosphere like out there? I got mine. I got my, I got my guy. That's it. I got my one guy. I'm going to put him on my shoulders, and we're going to run around. Well, it's good because, you know, obviously playing for the U.S. team, there's a lot of Liverpool fans here that are just U.S. fans. So it's nice to get a hug from a Liverpool fan, even though I'm wearing a Watford jersey. Now, we can't not talk to you about your time at Watford without asking you what it was like to be one of Elton John's favourite players and best friends. We've got some pictures, I think, of you with Sir Elton John. I mean, we're talking serious stars here, Jay. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I mean, if, if, you know, like El Elton, I've known him for 15 years. You, you know, he, 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 there's not a person that loves the club more than him, you, you know. And, and the, the, his appreciation to it all, like my role in the club, like all that kind of stuff. I think we've just always had an appreciation for that. And, and uh, you know, now he lives in America a lot. So, you know, he's got those affiliations. And anytime I can see him, it's, it, it's just really nice to just talk football with a guy like that. And, uh, and, he, and he's so interested in things and he's so he cares so much. So, you know, as, as, as my job is always to you know be an ambassador for the sport but also for the club yeah. so it's always nice to, to have a guy like him on your side that's for sure absolutely listen enjoy it out there for the game thanks for talking to us i'm gonna go crowd surf okay now we've got some special guests very special guests 
over the course of the next two days. I'm not sure, though, they come much more special than this lady. This, everybody, as you know, is the wonderful... Jill Ellis, former head coach of the US Women's National Team, winner of two World Cups and six other major tournaments. Jill, it is an absolute honour to have you here at FanFest with us today. First of all, what did you make of it? Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I live here, so I'm so glad you guys came. It's, uh, I mean, it's a wonderful atmosphere. I love it. Even though, even all the fans are here from every team, but that's all good. I know. It's quite amazing that they are all here from every team and they rub shoulders and there's no, no trouble, nothing nope. yet anyway. Jill, tell us about your Premier League morning routine. When you get up on a Saturday and a Sunday with your wife and your young daughter, what does that look like at your house? Well, I get breakfast and then I literally lay in my bed and I watch TV. <laughs> so it's not generally too exciting, but I mean, I watch all the games. I love it. I mean, obviously, grew up in England, football fan, so. Uh, this is this is heaven. I can't not ask you about the US Women's National Team and your incredible success with them and the impact that they've had on soccer in this country and actually on the country in general, Jill. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, a wonderful group of players, obviously a massive achievement. And, uh, you know, they just saw such a great platform that, you know, they're good people, um, you know, ambassadors for the game. And, you know, I think the way we play, it, it grows the game. And obviously globally, I think the, the game is just rocking right now. Jill, an absolute honour, as I say, to My have pleasure. you here. What an absolute star, ladies and gentlemen. Jill Ellis is in the house today. Jill, thank you. And we're continuing the Chelsea theme because Mike Ryan Ruiz and Chris Whittingham from Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast are with me here by the pool. Gentlemen, I was lucky enough to come on your podcast a little bit earlier on this week, which was fabulous. And you can get that podcast, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell us a little bit about it for those who maybe haven't yet downloaded that pod. Well, it gives the Chelsea fan in America everything they want to hear, the emotional and the somewhat rational. <laughs> we have big name guests. We're actually affiliated with the club. That means we have big, big guests. We have Tammy Abraham, Christian Pulisic. We're actually flying over to London, Christian Pulisic's joining the pod this week. Make sure you subscribe. But most importantly, we had Rebecca. <laughs> we talked to the Robbies. We talked to Kyle. We saw Kyle's hair. Yes, you saw Kyle's hair in real life. I know. It's a shock for everyone. And Mike, you are a big Jose Mourinho fan. And I know that he was your big hero when he was Chelsea manager on both occasions. How are we feeling about him defecting this to Spurs? Very sensitive I, I guess it would be. It's over, Jose. <laughs> it is over. We're actually headed to the Tottenham game. If you follow Chelsea FC in USA, you'll get all my cleaned up opinions on Jose Mourinho. Brilliant. But passionate, passionate. Brilliant. Guys, thank you. I'm going to talk now to a real Leicester City legend. And what an amazing season Leicester City are having under Brendan Rodgers. And here he is, Jerry Taggart, Leicester legend. Jerry, it's lovely to meet you. I can hear them all chanting your name, of course. Big Leicester, Leicester fan, Leicester legend. Uh, you've enjoyed your time in Miami, first of all, this week, haven't you? I hear you've been out and about. Well, I think it's hard not to, isn't it? The weather's great, the people are great, the buildings are amazing. Uh, there's a lot of Leicester fans travel from a long, long way away to be here this weekend. And so everybody's enjoying themselves and having a great time. I was just saying, of course, what an amazing season it is. Again, this season under Brendan Rodgers. Talk us through what it's like to watch this magical team at the KP. Yeah, absolutely. I think Brendan Rodgers has just brought a slightly different style of football uh, to the Leicester team this season. Obviously, he came in at the back end of last season, tried to implement the things that he wanted to see on the pitch. And this season, it's really, really come to the fore. And we're seeing some exciting football at the minute. Very quickly, would you put $5 on, on Leicester winning the league? Maybe not just yet. Let's get December out of the way and then we'll talk about it. Especially as you guys play each other on Boxing Day. Jerry Taggart, played for Leicester for six years. Absolute legend. Thank you so much for joining us here. 
Bex, we can get the red eye tonight. We can swap roles for tomorrow. <laughs> More than happy to take one for the team and do that. Um, it's looked fabulous, but we're expecting a pretty good game ourselves here in Chile, Southampton, Graham, aren't we today? Manuel Pellegrini, he's the favourite to be sat next in the Premier League. Five points out of 30. He says he could be out of a job by Monday. Mm. This is such a big game. What's gone wrong at the Hammers? Well, I mean, they had a good start to the season. They were in fifth place early mm. on in the season. And you just look at their defence, and I can't believe it when you read the statistics. 14 goals they've conceded in the last six matches. And in four of those games, three goals in each. So defensively, I was singing their praises last year when... Um, Diop and Balbuena looked like they were forming a fantastic partnership. Ogbonna and, and Balbuena play today. Diop's on the bench. But they're so leaky, and I think that when you lose confidence, whether it's the mm. goalkeeper, whether it's the back centre-backs, whether it's even further and forward and, and it's the holding midfield players, once you lose confidence in that part of your team, you're in trouble. And if they can't sort that out and sort it out today, then obviously Pellegrini's in trouble. Two uh, straight home wins for Southampton. Danny Ings mm. has scored in five straight games. How good is it to see him scoring goals again? Well, yeah, he's become their sort of talisman, their go-to guy. He's Everything about him is positive. As Ralph Hassenhurtl said earlier on in the week, that his positive energy around the dressing room and on the pitch is really important. I think he's the sort of guy that can drag any uncertainty away from this team and carry it on his shoulders and continue to deliver goals. Indeed. This should be a cracker. Two struggling teams often produce fireworks we're going to send you back to miami beach robbie musto have you got a special guest with you i do arlo i have a brighton and hove albion legend here with me right now peter ward was a big big scorer mid to late 70s then came to the u.s and did great things as well so welcome peter to our fan fest Thank you. Yeah. love to get your take and opinion on these things these fans fest i'm sure you've seen the ones we've done before what about this one this is fantastic i mean it's 12th, 13th, 14th of December, and it's 80 odd degrees. I mean, you can't beat it watching a Premier League. Uh, nothing better, nothing better. And you do a great production. Uh, I'm not sure about Carl's moustache, but everything <laughs> else is fantastic. Yeah. And Brighton, your club, they made a big decision this summer to change a manager. Graham Potter's come in. What have you made of his style of, of play and how the fans have reacted to Graham Potter? I think reacting really well. I mean, he's, he's more attacking than what Chris used to be. I mean, he did a great job, Chris, but I think, you know, it, it's time had run out and Potter's come in. And obviously, it's the same with a lot of teams. They're two or three wins off top half of the table and two or three losses off the bottom three. It's so tight. Uh, as long as we can get some points every week, uh, we'll be happy. And the main thing is to really stay and get our place in the Premier League. Well said. Thank you very much, Peter. You're Rebecca, welcome. back to you. Well, joining us here on our stage at FanFest, one of our FanFest best friends, Man vs. Food star, amongst many others on the TV, Mr. Adam Richmond is in the house. So, Adam, a big Spurs fan, quick question from me. They've eaten all the food. What should I be eating in Miami? Obviously, you have to have a Cubano on medianoche, and you have to have stone crab. You have to. Okay, I'll eat that later. Alan, you've had experience of Jose Mourinho with soccer aid in England. What does he bring to Spurs? I mean, wins, wins. We needed to win, you know, and uh, that's actually him uh, when he was my gaffer at Soccer Aid. But, you know, he has a will to win, and he's a man who has to prove himself, and, and he's looking to do both, and winning's better than losing. My gaffer, brilliant. Adam, so we know you like Hyomin Son. Is he right now the best all-round player for Spurs? He's certainly the most impactful, that goal. I mean, oh, I nice. never, it was like reminiscent of those great like Maradona goals or Ronaldo like the uh, the ball 
well, I can say this fatter one of the Ronaldos, <laughs> but just his uh, his ability to involve uh, other players to hold up play and his ability to finish. It's just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I it's nice to see a, a gaffer who's sees the players in form and utilizes the players in form. So we're going to we're gonna forgive the Robbies for not inviting us to the Little Havana. We've got our own thing. We'll probably do some time. Yeah. But hold on. This is now your second fan fest. Was New York your first one? It was indeed. All right. Thoughts so far? I'm amazing. Sprawling, massive. I mean, it's about like five times the size of New York. And I think because it's got this beautiful weather component, I mean, you see people in the streets. You see the energy. And I think it's amazing. You know, we know the Latin culture here is huge, but then to see the English game so celebrated, beautiful. We love having you, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us here. It's so lovely to have Adam Richmond of Television Stardom here with us on FanFest. I'm with Nigel Rio Coco, who we've got some history. He was my boot boy back in the day, which means he looked after me as a pro, but I was almost like his unofficial mentor. Went on to have a great career, not least as one of the youngest West Ham captains ever. Now, you've spent time with the West Ham fans here in America. What does a West Ham fan look like here? A West Ham fan is a blue-coloured fan. The best comparison, I would say, it's like being a Pittsburgh Steelers and a Green Bay Packers fan. It's a generation thing. You know, when you grow up in a West Ham household, you're going to be a West Ham fan. And, and on the pitch at the moment, things not going great. Where do you see the problems, Lane? I just think that they have that little bit of lack of belief at the moment. You know... Uh, Right now, what the West Ham fans want, what they've always believed in, is they want a team that's going to go out there, give 110% and compete. They'd rather lose 4-0 competing and really having to go to win the game than sitting there be defensive. It's never been the West Ham way. You know, it's really going after games. Huge game for them today. Nigel, got to get three points. Bex, back to you. Nigel Rio-Coco, former West Ham United captain, is with Carl Martino, Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto and myself. Nigel, they needed that victory, did they not? Manuel Pellegrini needed that win, the Hammers. Yeah, they definitely did. I think it was one of those performances today where it wasn't about the performance. It was just about getting a result. That was a classic six-pointer, especially coming up to the Christmas period where games are going to come thick and fast. This was just a game where it doesn't matter how they perform. Let's just get the win and build on that. You can see what it meant to the manager after the game. We're on the balcony here of the Clevelander Hotels. You can see the ocean is behind us. How have you enjoyed your day, Nigel? It's been absolutely amazing. I think it's just been so hard to pinpoint one particular thing, but the whole event... At from start to finish has been fantastic. Seeing the two Robbies in the Ferrari right. brings back it brings back memories of you know Robbie at Wimbledon as a Ferrari boy. I won't go there. Flashy Robbie, right? Your favourite moment, Carl? Well, my favourite moment involves something red that didn't fly down uh, Ocean Drive. It was when smoke started coming up from behind us and saw that the Liverpool Bowl fans were basically thinking it was Anfield. Watch my reaction to it. I'm like, oh my god, something's on fire. Oh no. They're just loving themselves. And now 10 points clear, right? I mean, they're just flying. Indeed. We had a few of those as well, those flares. Uh, Robbie Musto, what about you? It has got to be the Ferrari ride. Uh, Down Ocean Drive. How did you get to drive? With my buddy, because I'm a better driver than Earl. I think that's... that's <laughs> Agreed. Going on there. Agreed. I'm but, just I mean, chilling. To do that, that was pretty special. Were you a bit fun. nervous? I mean, it was, a, it was quite a pricey car, Robbie Musto. Were you a yeah, little nervous? I, I had to have a tutorial. I thought he might have yeah. Half an hour race. tutorial of how to move it and change gear and, and parking brake, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you have a brake on, Musty. That was the final... <laughs> yeah. Well, we love seeing you in there. What about your favourite moment, Robbie? Mine is analysis Miami style, Rebecca. You know how we all like to do things. Sitting on, on deck chairs with the sun, the sand, a cocktail. This is the future. This is definitely the way forward to analyse the Premier League. Absolutely.
absolutely. I, I don't disagree with you. Did you think, Carl, it was a different kind of vibe to the other fan fest that we've been at? It well, felt different? Everyone is different. I, I wonder what the vibe's going to be like tomorrow, because if the temperature was turned up that much, and I mean heat as well, I think I, I, I lost about 10 pounds I didn't have to lose with the sweat. <laughs> today, tomorrow's going to be out of control. You're right. It was very, very hot here today. A little bit more rain would be lovely. Nigeria Cocos, thank you so much for your time today. Well, I have a Brighton Hove Albion legend here. This is Peter Ward, was a big scorer for Brighton in the mid to late 70s and came to the US and had a really good career here as well. Now, I know you were here yesterday, Peter. What was your general thoughts on what you saw at the Fan Fest yesterday? Terrific. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, coming to Miami, thousands of people, beautiful hot days. You and Robbie sitting on the beach was unbelievable. <laughs> Brilliant. And driving that Ferrari, I need to take that home, actually. <laughs> You know what, like the growth of US soccer here, you've been here quite a, a many years now, and of yes. course we're trying to do our bit to grow it, and we see kids playing all over the country. What have you noticed in terms of, of the kids playing the sport and the sport just developing it's here in general? It's the most played sport by kids now. Right. Uh, it has been for a while, but the Premier League has just done something where all over the country, I think the kids between 18 and 26, if you ask them their favourite sports personality now, it, it, they're so a footballer. Yeah. Messi, Ronaldo, Musto. Peter Ward, Musto. yeah, Musto, yeah, <laughs> Robbie Earl. That's right. Well, maybe not so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but we have to say that. Just that, there's been a big change at Brighton with the new manager, Graham Potter, coming in. Um, what have you seen of how his style is, and how is that going across with the fans? I think it's going well. I mean, Chris did a great job, but he's Potter's come in, and he's more attack-minded. Yeah. Uh, under Chris, it was very defensive-minded. They're still doing well at the back, uh, but we're attacking more. Uh, the fans like it more, scoring more goals, and uh, hopefully we can stay in the Premier League. You know, it's very tough. Two wins, mm. you can be in the top half. Two losses, you're near the bottom three. So it's, mm. it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, brilliant. Peter, thanks so much. Enjoy the day. Rebecca, back to Another you. Another great day. Cheers. Now, Kyle, we know at NBC a lot about your passion for youth soccer in this country, but just share what you've been getting up to recently with an initiative that you've founded yourself. Yeah, so the Overrunner Initiative, a nonprofit, that's um, a health and wellness mission to uh, use sport to, in, to empower kids and, and show them what they're capable of. But um, for me, it's a personal story in that running for U.S. soccer president was ostensibly a fight for soccer in this country. And I realized that there's a sports crisis where kids just aren't enjoying it and aren't finding access to this incredible, incredible empowerment tool and, and as someone that struggles with depression and, and, and I, I've spoken openly about it sports saved my life and the idea that it's become a, a privilege of a few and not the right of all kids to have sport in their lives is something that I'm just diametrically opposed to so we started over on our initiative um, and we're going to go across the country we've got some exciting announcements we're going to San Francisco here soon to convert courts to multi-sport spaces so kids locally have a free spontaneous option to find sport and see uh, their true potential as a, a social empowerment vehicle. There's nothing better on the planet than these games. So if people are watching, if kids are watching specifically and are interested in this and don't get the chance to maybe play a lot of sport, where can they find out more about this, Kyle? Yeah, so go to uh, overunderinitiative.org and, um, you know, do what you can. Volunteer. We're always looking for help. And as these courts pop up across the country, go and play on them. We have to open play. We have to give... Uh, the, the gift of game and sport back to kids like this that absolutely can show what they're full of and their potential is unlimited when we have it. And it's about our ambassadors too, Bex, and you're one of my favorite ambassadors. Aww. Former teammates of mine and incredible athletes that have enjoyed the, the benefit of sport. I love all of our ambassadors, and I got you one of our Aww. 
T-shirts. Thank you for supporting me. Of course, great work. I have to say, done by our colleague here, Carl Martino, to try and get more kids who don't have the chance to get out there and play sport and play soccer specifically. Brilliant work there done by Kyle. And we have another activation where I am, but in just a moment, I'll tell you about that because this time last year, we hosted our FanFest in New York City and with us at the South Street Seaport was the former West Ham and Manchester City player, Ian Bishop. There he is there talking to Robbie Musto. Now, Ian coaches Palm Beach Soccer Academy and we are here at the activation for On Her Turf, which is NBC's movement to empower women within sport. This is Ian Bishop here, an absolute Premier League legend and West Ham legend as well. Gary Walker is one of the founders, is the founder of Palm yes. Beach Soccer Academy. Oh, We've yes. got Nelly, one of the coaches and all the girls here as well. So, Ian, can I just start by asking you, you've been in the US a long time. You played, of course, here when you left uh, the UK. Just explain to us the difference when you first arrived to then seeing crowds like this. Well, Rebecca, it used to be that you'd only see an English football shirt at Disney and it would be, a, it'd be accompanied by a third degree sunburn, you know what I mean? And, and if you look around you now, you go anywhere in the country and you're inundated with it. It's been, it's been amazing the effect bringing the Premier League into everybody's home over here. Brilliant stuff. Now, Gary, you're the founder of the Palm Beach Soccer Academy. Helped, of course, with Sports Engine. Just talk to us about that relationship. In the soccer business, you need to have a good communication, and uh, Sports Engine offers everything that we need, communication, financial, talking to players individually, teams as a group, cancelling practices. They, you, know, you just make one phone call or one push a button, it's there. So communication is a big key for us. And Sports Engine does a great job. It's our first year and we're going to continue with the, with the partnership with them. It's fantastic. That's brilliant stuff. You guys are doing great work. Nelly Pelage over here is one of the coaches. Nelly, your girls are obviously very inspired by, no doubt, the US women's national team, not just this year, but in years gone by. What else inspires your players? I mean, I think that the US national team has inspired a lot of our players. It's like they have been authentic they don't get distracted on the pitch. They play out on their own. And um, I think that most of the girls, they follow them to the core. Um, they're really good role models. Well, we spoke to Jill Ellis yesterday, who, of course, brought two World Cups to U.S. women's uh, national team. And that was a, a wonderful interview because she has done so much for U.S. women's soccer in this country. You ladies, what do you make of this fan fest right now? Um, I think it's really cool to see, like, all the fans come together and to see um, on her turf, like, embrace women's soccer as a whole. I think it's a fun experience. Brilliant stuff. Palm Beach Soccer Academy. Thank you to Ian. Thank you to Gary, to Nelly, and to all the girls as well for coming along. Doing great work here at the On Her Turf activation at FanFest. Now, a little bit more information for you. About On Her Turf, we mentioned the U.S. Women's National Team. Make sure you check out On Her Turf on Instagram for more stories on empowering women in sports. We also just mentioned, of course, that Sports Engine are a big part of Palm Beach Soccer Academy. It's a registered club here in Florida. You can learn more about how Sports Engine can benefit your youth sports organizations at sportsengine.com. So make sure you check it out. Let's take you live then from Ocean Drive to North London to the Emirates Stadium. I tell you, you don't get that reaction very often, do you, Arlo White and Lee Dixon? They are loving you here on Miami Beach. Oh, we enjoyed that little cheer, didn't we? Yes. Listen, if the Robbies are going to be Crockett and Tubbs from the 80s, we're Starsky and Hutch from the 70s. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Screeching outside the Emirates in a Gran Torino. I don't know which one you are, but... 
I'll, I'll take Starsky. I'll be the blonde one. Okay. <laughs> to the game. Freddie Lundberg yeah. is in interim charge of Arsenal uh, since the sacking of Unai Emery. How do you assess your former teammates' tenure so far? Well, I'm sure he'd like a few more points on the board. I think uh, performance-wise, you, you can see what he's trying to do a, a little bit. Um, there's still massive gaps in the midfield, which is something I hope he's trying to fix in training. It's the only place you can fix it. Ganduzi and Torreira will be the, the two that has to fill that gap today against the Manchester City side, who we know are brilliant in midfield. And with Phil Foden playing today, mm. Arlo, it's going to be a real test for him as a young boy, but also for those two to keep him quiet. Manchester City are 17 points behind Liverpool. I mean, it's just remarkable the, the march that Liverpool are on. You mentioned Phil Foden. Where do you see him operating today? It's a huge day for him, isn't it? I think they'll just give him the freedom. I think that's when he plays best. He'll have play players around him. In those driving runs, the delivery of the passes, he's definitely going to be the successor of, of Silva, and there's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of getting the game time. He seems now to be getting the odd game now where Pep's going, no, you go and show us what you can do. So, And he's a brilliant footballer for me. He's Starsky, I'm Hutch. Rebecca, back to you. shoes of Robbie Musto, not to mention the wig. I mean, honestly, these fan fests certainly are memorable. Okay, gentlemen, Robbie, I'm sorry, I just can't ask your question. Kyle, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, um, Freddie Lundberg, mm. what does he need to do, do you think, if anything at all, to get this job full-time? Do you think he's in the running at all? Yeah, I mean, he has to be. I, I think you don't, you don't just give someone half of a season if they're not a candidate. And so if they have the right person in mind and contracts are in negotiation behind the scenes, that's one reason he might not get it. But uh, we're not getting, being leaked names. There are, a lot of these things get out in the press. So from my perspective, he's been around the club for a while now. He's worked with several of the players. He's worked with players they want to bring into the team. He's a legend, obviously, of course. So if he does a good job and gets them into the top four, it'd be hard to say he's not one of the shortlist candidates to get it. What are your thoughts on Back. I think he's holding the fort, Rebecca. This is a job for an experienced manager. Somebody who's got a back catalogue of work, can go to experience, can come in and instantly change a football club. It, it's not a poor reflection on Freddie. It's a reflection of how far Arsenal Football Club have dropped from the standards that they had. Go on, I just can't look at you. Just go on, answer the question about Arsenal. Freddie Lundberg, whatever you want Columbia, to say. Uh, just temporary. I Just a few more games. I think they're trying to get somebody in full-time that's really qualified to do jobs. Stop laughing at me, by the way. Uh, Freddie Lundberg just isn't that guy. But get we'll see. Keyboard, guitar. Can we a big a result today, maybe. OK, stop. Robbie Musto, where does today leave Arsenal Football Club? It, it leaves them, Rebecca, needing a manager ASAP. It's emergency now. It's absolutely emergency. Patrick Vieira, Max Allegri, Rafa Benitez. There. There's three people that can come in and do a good job and help that out because the longer that goes on, it's, I mean, the, we're nearly halfway point in the season. They've got the same points as Newcastle United. I mean, it's, will it's they incredible. Uh, but will they come in? And, and the guys are talking about it on the broadcast. I mean, it's, now it's becoming it's Arsenal Football Club. They're all, they're all going to take a look at it. But man, what a tough job this is. The problem coming. you have now in a, in a club situation like what Freddie Longbow's in is nobody has to accept the responsibility. Freddie's interim, so he's not in charge. The players are saying, well, we don't know what the future's going to be. And this club, as Robbie Mustos, are flailing now in the middle of the table. This club needs direct 
direction and they need to get a manager in as soon as possible. And Robin Musto, it's not just about the manager. The likes of Aubameyang are not signing contracts. Surely if you bring in, let's say, a Rafa Benitez or a Max Allegri that you talk about, at least you might have a chance of re-signing your best players. Mourinho went in at Spurs in, a, in all sorts of turmoil, unsettled dressing room, and now there's talk of certain defenders maybe signing longer contracts. Once a respected manager goes in there, then attitudes strain, change straight away. The training's a lot sharper. You know, the young players, I mean, that, that's, I guess, some kind of uh, move for optimism with some of the young players coming in some minutes. But they need a guy straight away to, to reset, recharge his club up because with all the games coming over the festive fixture period, wow, they, they could go further down the league. Manchester City are, of course, way off the pace, 14 points off the pace of Liverpool. So going into this fixture period now where Liverpool are super busy in a lot of different competitions, is Pep... Is Pep even hopeful, or is Pep now looking at Champions League for you, Carl, as we go into the new year? Well, I, I, I think he's got to stay hopeful. As crazy as the gap is, the fixture list is crazy because points, whether you're in the relegation battle, whether you're battling for top four, whether you're battling for titles, there is a massive slide during that month. And and they, they can't... It's disrespectful to the league, and I don't think Pep has it in his DNA to, to phone in the league. So, you know, he's giving players an opportunity like Phil Foden today, and that might be just a little bit of a jump start to say, in the league, we're going to give opportunities to guys who are sitting on the bench recently, and obviously the quality doesn't drop when he does so. They are now three points off the top four. All of a sudden, Tottenham can conceivably enter that top four in the next week or two, and they play Chelsea next weekend. What a game that's going to be. What are your Tottenham thoughts? They're coming, Rebecca. This guy was brought into the football club to change a little bit of the mentality in Spurs, to get them over the line in difficult situations. It's what we're starting to see. I think the football will get will improve and get better as the players get to know him. But already he's looking above him, seeing Chelsea, and I believe Tottenham now is addressing him believe they're going to make Champions League football. Which is the better team, Tottenham or Chelsea? Uh, Spurs are the better team. If you think about how long they've been a part of a project, the dip had nothing to do with not having the quality or not being ready to perform what they were asked to. I think it was just the expiration of the project where Doubleday started to wear on them. You know, all of a sudden players weren't reaching their levels. And then all of a sudden Jose Mourinho comes and we see the spark back. Now, I'm excited. I think the upside for Chelsea is greater because of all the youth. But uh, uh, you look at what Pochettino's done. I mean, Jose Mourinho hasn't even been able to get things defensively stable yet. And already we've seen this, this team Bouncing it's interesting, Rebecca, because after in the interview there, he talks about we need to have big spirit. If there's one thing that I think he will feel that this Spurs team needs is some mentality, some toughness, some some a winning stronger mentality. And, and defensively, I think he will find a way, Kyle, at point at times to make them better defensively. But that mentality is the key, I think. Okay, so mentality is the key, which can already be in the dressing room, or he can maybe bring that in. Do you think? defensively he will coach them to be better or do you think he might bring in a reinforcement in January if Daniel Levy lets him? Hmm. It always looked to bring a reinforcement and I think opportunity of trying getting them better and bringing somebody in that, that he feels knows will make them better defensively but he will coach them yeah. and we've already yeah. seen it Rebecca, we've already seen one full back goes, Sergio is often allowed to go to the right hand side, the left back Vertonghen is in, he's inside he's not going forward, two defensive midfield players don't go very far so he wants them to be stronger uh, structurally. Tottenham top Four, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Do I say it? Yes. <laughs> Listen, Duncan got the, got the results he wanted, but I didn't like that. That with Moise Keane. Well, let's talk about that because that's yeah. a big story. To substitute a, a player who you brought on quite late yeah. anyway, then you take him off because you're time wasting when you could have taken off yeah. any other player. And as we saw him walk there down the touchline, Duncan Ferguson last weekend was the hero. Yeah. Has that damaged him? 
It depends how you look at it. Some people will say he doesn't mind making big decisions, and a big decision might have got them the point. I think at home's addressing him. It's the biggest disrespect you can have going on as a professional and somebody taking you off in, in those circumstances. Moise King's had problems with his attitude, apparently, in the football club. I don't know if there was anything to do with that. Yeah, he'll lose Moise King with that. He'll lose him, Duncan Ferguson. And, and if it's just for wasting time and you've done something that's pretty shocking, when the player comes off, you've got to say, listen, I'm so sorry, this is, you know, you've got to say something. I mean, he walked off, he, he totally blanked him, and he walked down the, the tunnel, which is a bad look. I, I don't get it from the first place of taking him off, but then, you know, yeah. console him or explain it. Managers have done this, and I want to say Jose Mourinho did it with Matto one time. I mean, it, it's not unusual, but there's there's always an explanation that the, is on the manager side. He, he can't afterwards in the press conference say this is why I did it. Mm. When, when you have a young player who, who's a young player that has ups and downs, who's a new player, who uh, there was a lot of money spent, who's trying to settle in, and you need him to succeed, you need him to perform. At Old Trafford, a, a dream, I'm sure, to go play at that, at that incredible place, Theater Dreams, and perform. To have that happen to you can be a psychological impact that makes it hard for you to say, I can't be around this guy anymore, I can't be around this club anymore. Now, you believe he's a good enough professional to do so, but it, he, it tells me he was trying to get a point across to him, yeah, that's absolutely. not the time to do that. There's been a lot of rumour that Moise Keane's been late for a meeting, that his training's not been right. If that's a message from Duncan, only Duncan will know if his hands are right, it feels heavy-handed to yeah, me. Don't embarrass. For a player who's got more to offer, could be important to this football club. They bought him a lot of money from Juventus, but he's a talented footballer who can score goals. If you're Bill Kemright or Farhad Mashiri, the majority shareholder of Everton, are you looking at that and thinking, OK, you've had your two games, Duncan. I think you're lacking in experience with maybe some choices like that one. Let's find the new Everton manager. Well, they should be trying to find the next Everton manager right now, as we speak. They should be. And I'm sure they're interviewing, they're consulting or whatever. Um, I still believe, now, that's, that's a good result for Everton. Yeah, On the back of the last one, I, I said it last, last weekend, I think it was, like, let this ride out. Let it ride out a little bit. I think we know that Goodison Park is going to be absolutely bouncing when he's stood on the sideline. Away from home, I wasn't quite sure how he would coach and how he would manage. That's a good point. Let him go, Rebecca. So it's not Let an emergency like it is after. It's not an emergency. No. And, it, and no. it might become an emergency in two or three okay. weeks and then bring somebody in. But just let this let this okay. ride out. The points are valuable. Yeah. Okay, lovely stuff, gentlemen. We've got a lot going on today along with Palace and Brighton. Also found out who will be playing whom in the Champions League round of 16, which takes place in February and March. All four Premier League teams, they did make it out of the group stage. Perhaps no matchup more intriguing than the one there at the top. Manchester City and 13-time winners. Real Madrid, Ahmed Farid, and Kyle Martino, who had to be dragged out of Miami Beach, <laughs> kicking and screaming. Myself. Back I, here in Connecticut. But, but I showed up. To, well, you showed know, up. Two Robbies are still enjoying Showed up to duty. Uh, duty. To break down uh, the Champions League round of 16 here. So let's yeah. start with that. Uh, Manchester City never won the Champions League uh, against a, a squad that has won it 13 times. It. That's yeah. not a great draw for Manchester City. <laughs> well, yeah, there were, there were better teams, I'm sure, <laughs> that they were hoping to face. And speaking of having fun, Real Madrid knows how to have fun in the, in the Champions League competition. And... Um, you know, Zidane, as a player, uh, of course, a lot of experience in, in European Cup competitions, and now as a manager, people might say there's a bit of, of kinks in the armor, he's coming under some criticism, but the experience of a lot of those players that know what it's like as the current holders to go and do it, it makes them an incredibly tough proposition for, for Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, who at this point, you have to say Champions League is what they're fighting for. He's not going to admit it, right? He was brought in to, to win the Champions League and get rid of that big donut in that category. Doing it against Real Madrid, 
with the injuries they have, with, with the, the defensive instability they, they have, it's just I think you look along this list and say there probably couldn't be maybe Barcelona, another team that's worse to face right now than Real Madrid. So they've got a little bit of time, do Manchester City here, to get some of those players back. Yeah. Do they have the health? Will they have the health? Do they have the quality to make a run in this tournament? It's a tough competition for Pep Guardiola to win, and he's done it before with incredibly dominant teams that play his free-flowing, attacking-minded, offensive, and risky strategy. It's just, without the defensive stability in this group, forget, forget facing Real Madrid, it's going to be hard to, to, to do what you have to do to see games out. That's, that's where recently, since he's been at Manchester City, things have fallen through. It's not the lack of quality, it's not their inability to go score goals, it's their inability to manage games out, and I think that right now is the, is the worst moment they're at in terms of what they have to manage games out. City may have been the favorite to win the Champions League last year. It was won by Liverpool. Perhaps Liverpool is the favorite uh, to win it once again uh, this year. They got Atletico Madrid. What do you think of that matchup? That, that's a tough proposition because uh, Atletico Madrid historically are a very difficult team to, to break down. A lot of energy. A different... Um, energetic force than Liverpool. It's not as chaotic. It's not as high press. You. It's a counterattacking teams at times, um, and, and they're struggling to see games out in, in in their domestic league, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, a cup competition keeping the the score low is exactly what you hope for. So Atletico Madrid, they'll be thinking if we can get a result at Anfield. Now that's kind of what every team says, which is one of the hardest things to do. If we can get a result at Anfield, we can get through this Liverpool side. But I, I like this matchup for for Klopp. High expectations for Klopp and Liverpool. Perhaps not the same expectations if you're Chelsea facing a team that you faced in the final. That is Bayern Munich when Frank Lampard was hoisting the trophy as the captain yeah. in that final. Uh, Chelsea, not as big of expectations. That may play to their benefit. Well, yeah, with the, with the lack of expectations, but also the youth. You know, we, we say this and say it in a loving way. And I was young once. This team's, you know, has, has talent and, and youth that sometimes... Young players are dumb, and I mean that in a good way. Where they won't, they won't get the, the circumstance or being there before and failing. None of that will, will will capture them. What they have to make sure is don't get too in awe of the moment. Yeah. You know, welcoming in Bayern Munich in the Champions League is something I'm sure a lot of these players dreamed of and only did on FIFA. So it's like this is an incredible moment. They should go and enjoy it. By the way, you know, they got to make sure they don't need a huge result to go back to Munich because that, that'll be the situation where it'll just be a joyride. That's a tough sell. You're dumb, but I mean that in a good way <laughs> yeah. uh, for yeah. Chelsea. But, but they're young. They, they haven't been there before. Uh, Tottenham, Leipzig. What do you think of that one? Um, I, I like this draw. I do. Yeah. But for Tottenham, for Spurs, but 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 they can't overlook Leipzig. I mean, Nagelsmann is one of the most sought-after, exciting young managers, top of the Bundesliga. I mean, this is this is a dangerous opposition. It's just Jose Mourinho's the, the king of cup competitions, and so he doesn't have the defensive stability he wants with a group that is seeing results out, but doing it in a bit more of a chaotic kind of who's going to outscore who rather than his let the other team make the mistake sort of strategy he, he will implement over time. But, but Spurs, they'll want to make up for what it felt like to, to not go on and win under Pochettino. So I, I, I like this. Of all the draw, that's the best one. Made of the English it to clubs. the final uh, last year and perhaps a little Jose Magic this year in the Champions League final. you got to juggle a lot. you got to juggle the Premier League with the Champions League. 
first, Everton looks set to appoint their next manager. Yeah, according to our colleagues at Sky Sports, Carlo Ancelotti has agreed in principle to become the next Everton manager. Ancelotti last managed Napoli, won the Premier League title with Chelsea back in 2009-2010. Everton have been looking for a permanent boss since firing Marco Silva 11 days ago. So take a look at the bio. Last managed Napoli was out of work less than a week. He has managed the biggest clubs in the world. And as you can see, a whole lot of success with Chelsea and then the three Champions League titles as well. So in principle, Carlo Ancelotti, according to our friends at Sky Sports, have agreed to be the permanent boss over at Everton. Ahmed Farid, Kyle Martino. So what do you make of that news? Well, if it's true, and I, I trust the reports from a source like that, this is a massive get for Everton. And, and I'll in a second get to, is the right move, does he fit in? Um, just... The ambition that shows, we, we said that about Spurs getting Mourinho and, and Pochettino building the club to a relevant moment where they could, they could attract a manager of the size of Mourinho. I mean, Ancelotti is in that category. I mean, one of only three managers to, to win the European Cup three times, a fantastic player, and known mostly for uh, his time at Milan and played under one of the greatest coaches of all time, Arrigo Sacchi, and, 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 and learned a lot from that. The only caution I'd offer is if you look at the clubs he's managed and he's been successful, and I guess you could say say for Napoli, at almost every single one of them, they were close to finished products, a lot of them. And and that doesn't diminish his quality. He is a wonderful manager that likes a attacking-minded style, likes to set up playmakers. I remember when he changed his system to set up Zidane when he had him. But um, this is a massive rebuild. And so to think of his, his status and his quality – being used in a time where the game's changing a little bit, you rely on back staff to help you in departments. I mean, this is kind of a throwback. I, I like I like the appointment based on where Everton are right now, but it comes with risk. So what do you think it says about at least what he believes is the trajectory of, of Everton as a big-time club going into a new stadium here in, yeah. in a couple of years? And what does it say about where they are and where they could be going? Well, it obviously says that he believes this club has, has a, a bright future and he can help them uh, make it come to fruition. I mean, listen... Anytime a manager this size takes a job, there's a, a kind of dual dating process. He will have his management and then one-on-one interviews with Mashiri and others to say, where's this going? Are you going to spend? Well, the stadium that they're going to build is huge, and the price that he might have for players might be big, and yeah, he likes what he sees. Huge news. Have not had direct confirmation uh, out of Everton so far, but our friends at Sky Sports saying that there is an agreement in principle with Everton and perhaps their new manager. Six goals versus Brighton for Wilfred Zaha, the most he has against any club. So it's something about that, uh, that kit. What, that I wonder if that's what Potter had to say. No, come on, man. Yeah, stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was a, a, a struggle in the first half. It seemed yeah. for Crystal Palace, they did not have a shot mm-hmm. in the first half. Uh, creating a little bit more in the second half, were you impressed with that? Or are you still impressed with Brighton's performance today? So, I mean, still impressed with Brighton's performance. Um, the substitution to, to bring on... Um, uh, McCarthy didn't, didn't change the formation. Uh, he, he moved into a left uh, fullback position, and they kind of stayed the same. They started to take more risks. I, I think that ultimately uh, Brighton were the better team on the day, did enough in the first half, but couldn't capitalize on those opportunities. And for Crystal Palace, it, it, you, you saw that they weren't satisfied with it, yeah. and they can't be. You know, the, it puts them in a more comfortable position, get a point, keep climbing the table a bit. But this time of year brings two things. It brings the variable of the fixtures, tight, 
lots of them coming where, where you get points, you lose points, and you move places, but also the transfer window opening up. And, and if I'm any other club, and maybe that's what Grand Potter said, is we can't probably get you, but if I'm any other club, and, and clubs are being quoted 80 million pounds for this player, Wilfred Zaha is ready for a bigger challenge and has said he wants to leave. In January, I don't blame Crystal Palace for not wanting to, to let him go because – he, he, he's worth 100, 200 million pounds in that without him, this team gets relegated. Goals are coming from nowhere else outside of Ayu, who's not a consistent goal scorer. Someone's going to come with a big checkbook, and it's going to be a battle to keep this guy. So how do you figure it out to convince him that this is the place for him well, if you're Roy Hodgson? You try to convince him based on setting your team up to play a way that's going to bring out his best qualities. And, and everything about the first half is why Wilfred Zaha wants to leave Crystal Palace. And listen, this is no disrespect to this club. It's a wonderful club. And he's given a lot to it. And he's sort of earned the right to help them make a, a serious windfall of cash by being sold to a club that wants to buy his abilities. It just comes with the risk of they're going to be upset because that platform for him to develop came after a big move didn't work out. Right, you know, it goes to Manchester United, doesn't work out. Now he comes to a club that helped him develop, but he's 27. You know, he, he, he waits one or two more years. That big club move isn't going to happen for him. So it's a tough situation, and it's a good point. But it also is kind of that like, if this guy keeps doing that, it's going to be hard to hold him. Uh, you've had a lot of questions, obviously, recently about Mikel Arteta because of the vacancy here, because of the vacancy at Everton as well, actually. But I just want to ask you, how important is he to Manchester City? and what you've done over the last few seasons? A lot. It's part of the huge success we had. It was an important, important part. So, you know, I think all the media knows, because I spoke yeah, two or three times, how is my opinion, I think the opinion of the club, uh, about Mikel. So, yeah. So what happened, what will happen, what will happen? You almost saw that glazed-over look from Pep there asked about uh, Arteta once again, his assistant currently, but it seems like things are progressing into the fact that he is going to be the permanent manager over at Arsenal. Reportedly, the side's going to meet coming up here in a couple days. All signs pointing to that guy as being the guy in Arsenal. What do you think? Well, um, it shouldn't surprise anyone. They were after him before, and we had to speculate. We weren't really given any quotes, but it seemed like they wanted to go with the experience of of Emery when they were trying to prime, prime away from Manchester City the first time when Arsene Wenger left. And, and um, here's the thing. There were reports, too, that, that Arteta's been taking some of the tactics and actually actually coming up with the game plan and Pep giving him the reins of Manchester City for a few games recently. And uh, we got to look at the documentary that showed the behind the scenes of everything that was going on with the Amazon documentary of, of Manchester City. He, he, he is learning under one of the best managers ever, has a lot of the qualities and had them as a player, wore the armband, which is almost a sign someone has the qualities to lead a group, uh, that he can be a fantastic manager. Massive challenge to go back to his former club and also a massive challenge to come out from underneath the wing of an incredible manager. Uh, you know, there's a long line of managers that, that were with Sir Alex Ferguson that struggled once they went out on their own. So um, it is a risk by Arsenal Football Club, but if they go for him, I actually like the move. What are the first couple things he needs to figure out about that club? What do they need to fix first? Well, I mean, Mesut Ozil, you know, they tried to bait Freddie Lumberg again, and he, you know, he basically said, what do you want me to do? I'm day-to-day here. I'm not really sure I can handle this problem. Neither could Emery and... You know, that's becoming an issue because he's on huge wages, incredibly talented player, but becoming a bit of a distraction with the group. The, the biggest problem is getting the ethos of caring about the club again, caring about the badge and putting a performance that is the requisite level of energy that's necessary. Forget tactics of buying defenders and all the things they need to do long term. Get the team to care about playing for Arsenal Football Club again. And try to get some positive results as well as today. Crystal Palace did jump above Arsenal in the table with the result and the point. 
That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.